Happy Mother's Day. It's so nice to see you all here today. Um, just so that you know, we have a gift for all of the ladies. Uh, for those of you that are mothers, uh, happy Mother's Day. But we also recognize that there are people who may not have their own children, but you are aunties, you are teachers, you are uh, neighbors, you are investing in the lives of the, the kids around you and the next generation coming behind you. So we have a caribou coffee card for every female over the age of 18 in this place. So we, oh, yay, look at you guys made it this year. You get a card. Woohoo! Yes. And our only rule is you have to use it on yourself, okay? No buying it, you know, for your kids or some, this is for you. This is for you to be able to go have a cup of coffee on us because we recognize all that you do. And so as you're leaving, there's a little table. So please grab one of those on your way out. Um, I'm going to just share a little bit uh, to all the moms today, but to all of us, the word that keeps coming through my mind when I think about Mother's Day and I think about this day is influence. I keep thinking about how mothers are a huge influence on our lives. There are a lot of things that I do around my house because they're the way my mom did it. Um, there are ways that I do things in the kitchen because my grandma taught me how to do it. There are things in my life that those who had influence over me have made an impression. And all of you today are influencers. Whether you're a mother, whether you're an aunt, whether you're a, a teacher, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a father or an uncle, you are investing in the lives of the people around you. The people around you are watching. And everything you do is influencing somebody. It's making an impression. It's making um, an impact on the lives. You are shaping those around you. Everything you pour out, whether it's time or energy or investment, it's getting into the people who are around you, and it's helping shape them. That's why I love having those kids up here today, because I love the idea that we together as a church family get to pour into and shape the lives of the kids in our church, the kids in our home, the kids in our neighborhood. This is an important part of who we are, followers of Christ. Our jobs are important. The things we say are important. The way we spend our time is important. The way we carry ourselves is important. There are people in your circle of influence who are watching you, and you are making an impression on them. And so just real quick today, I'm not going to go long, I promise. Mr. Kerr said, no, you're going to keep it short, right? And I said, absolutely. So we're, we're talking Devo today, not message, okay? Um, but this week um, in our reading plan, and I think I'm a little behind. I was reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So if you want to turn there, that is where I was reading this week. I haven't made it to Mark yet. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I was reading this passage, verses 3 through 8, and I thought it was such a great thought to leave us with today on Mother's Day as we celebrate mothers. And the context is Paul, the, the heading in my Bible says Paul's ministry. And Paul is kind of talking about his work. He's talking about the things that he's doing, trying to reach people for Christ. And this is what he says in verse 3. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. And no one will fall, find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. But we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, 
our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. And we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and in the left hand for defense. Paul is describing his work, the things that he finds himself doing every single day, and the ministry that he continues to invest in, the influence that he's having on the people around it. And I love that he recognizes in this passage that that's not all easy. He starts talking about this work that he's doing, and then he kind of starts talking about it's not always easy. It's tough. He says, I've been patiently enduring trouble and hardship and calamity of every kind. He says, I've worked to exhaustion. I have sometimes not been able to sleep because of this work, endured sleepless nights. This definitely feels like a mom message, right? Work to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights. And then he says, I faced angry mobs, which I'm sure is the teenage years that we could all relate to. Angry mobs, for sure. But then he says, even though it's not always easy, even though it's a lot of work, even though sometimes it means sleepless nights, it's worth it. We keep fighting the good fight. We keep preaching the gospel of Jesus. We keep showing up because it's important and it's worth it. He says, even though it's hard, we endure all these things and we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience and kindness, and by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit living in us and our sincere love. Verse says that we serve God no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, whether they slander us or whether they praise us, whether they love our message or whether they don't care about our message, whether our message is received with sweet acknowledgement or skepticism, skepticism and questioning. I love, I spend a, a lot of Thursday nights teaching our kids upstairs. I just love teaching kids about Jesus. You know why? They're so open. They're so open to the things of God, and they just, they just soak it all in, and they just believe. They have this beautiful faith. And so there is a moment in your influence life of your mothering or your fathering or your grandparenting that you get a minute that you get to tell your kids about Jesus, and you're saying prayers at night, and they're like, oh, I know, Mom, I love Jesus. And then they get a little older, and I think about these reading plans. Jeff occasionally will take out the Bible at dinner time and say, okay, kids, now we're going to read this day's passage of Scripture, and immediately all our teenagers in the table, the eyes roll back into the head. And they start kind of, oh, this is just, do we have to do this right now? So we can relate to Paul that there's a moment that your message is well received with greatness. And then there's a moment that it's, oh, do I have to? There will come a day when the kids and the teenagers and those in your circle of influence will might question the things that you believe. But you know what? They have to process their own walk of faith. And they might run the gamut from just disinterested, I don't really care about that, I'm not really interested, I don't really want to go to church, to all the way over to outright hostility of, I don't know if I believe what you believe. This is part of our life. And Paul admonishes us, do it anyway. Don't give up. Keep going. Whether they believe your message, whether they receive it, or whether they don't, keep going. Verse 9 says, we faithfully preach the truth, trusting that God's power is working in us. So wherever you have influence, keep faithfully preaching the truth of the love of Jesus Christ. Allow God's power to work within you to draw others to Christ. But the verse I want to really highlight today, 
that really stuck out to me was verse 7 because it said, we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and in the left hand for defense. I love that this is a picture of using both of our hands in this battle. But each hand has a distinctive role. There is an, an defensive weapon in our hand and there's an offensive weapon used for attack. The whole context of this passage is Paul describing how hard it is to stay faithful to the people he's been called to minister to. But then he gives a pep talk, how he's going to keep going, he's going to keep going, he's not going to give up. And then he throws in this little piece of strategy, this little instruction that you could run by really quick if you missed it. But he's saying, hey, and here's how we're going to do it. You're going to have something in your left hand, and you're gonna have something in your right hand and you're gonna use those two things together. Our left hand is used for defense and our right hand is used for attack. Now let me, I did a little study on this and sure enough, this would have been something that everybody reading Paul's letter would have totally understand because the left hand was the hand where you held your shield, you held your def defensive weapon. I always get the two mixed, defense, right? That's, right, okay. Um, your defensive weapon is in your left hand. That's what protects you. It's the shield. It's the thing that keeps you safe. But in the right hand, it's what they used for a sword. And if you look at the Greek words that are used here, it sure enough means left hand and right hand. They're two very distinct things. It's interesting to me that Paul took the time to make the distinction, not just, hey, use your weapons, but hey, use your left hand weapon and use your right hand weapon. So what does that mean? It means we need both defensive and offensive weapons when we are working within our circle of influence. The defensive weapons are the things that we do when we're training our children, when we're training the people around us, the seeds of faith that we plant in them, when we say prayers at night when they're going to bed, when we bring them to church, when we talk about God, when we see us reading our Bible, when we are pouring the scriptures into them, when we are living our lives for Christ, the instruction we give them as to who God is, the impression that we leave them with of what kind of a God God is. If they look at our lives and see us fully devoted to Christ, these are defensive weapons. The example we set by the way we live our lives, it gives them a solid framework for then for them to build their lives. These are your offensive weapons. This is your preventative medicine. All those little things that you do to continue to try and knit your heart, the hearts of your kids and your people in your influence to Christ. Paul calls this weapons of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Weapons of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness are things approved by God. The things that God says are right. So when we determine to live our lives within the parameters of doing the things that God approves, he says this is good. It's good when you love. It's good when you serve. It's good when you're generous. It's good when you do this. When we live our lives within those parameters, it says that that is a weapon of righteousness for our families. And this is true because our kids are watching. People are watching us. Your students are watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your grandchildren are watching, and how you walk in righteousness will influence how they choose to live their lives. It will. Proverbs 22.6 says, teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their 
life. I was listening to a Beth Moore podcast this year, and she was kind of unpacking this verse. And another translation is, train up a child in the way that they should go. And she says, here's, here's how I interpret this verse. When they are 25 and they are doing what they know they should not be doing, they're lying in bed and all they're hearing is their mama going, you know. You are not supposed to be doing that. It will haunt them. That's what you kept saying. It will haunt them. When they know right from wrong, when you have showed them right from wrong, they may choose the wrong thing, but it will haunt them. It will be in their voice. It will be in their head. Your voice will be in their head, and they will know. They know the truth. And so in your left hand, use the defensive weapon of a life of righteousness. Determine that you are going to live by the things that God says are good. It will make a difference in the lives of your children. This is important. Let your children see you love Jesus with all your heart and be committed to what he says are right. So in our left hand, we have defensive weapons. But there is an offensive weapon in our right hand. This is where we learn to fight for our people. This is where we learn to fight for our kids, to fight for the people that we care about. Not fight with your children, fight for your children, okay? There's a distinction. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a battle for the hearts of your kids. There is. There's a battle for the hearts of the people that you care about. And that scripture tells us we don't fight against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the mean girls at your girls' school. Your enemy is really not the media that throws things at our kids. Your enemy is really not that boy who's a bad influence on your kid. These things are tools that the enemy is using because he wants nothing more than to derail your kids' lives and to pull their hearts away from the things of God. He has one goal because you know what? If he can stop them from loving him, then he will keep them from their circle of influence. You think about your kids and all the people that they will influence in their lifetime if their hearts are knit to Christ and they step into the plan he has for them. The enemy will do everything he can to keep them from stepping into that. There is a battle, and we aren't fighting against flesh and blood. The enemy likes to keep dark things dark, and so he will use anything or anyone at his disposal to try and make that happen. So guess what? We have to gear up for the fight. We have to learn how to fight. Now, yes, it's important that you use those defensive weapons of teaching, instruction, and right living. But listen, Scripture says don't use just one hand. Use them both. Use them both together. How do we do this? Well, Ephesians 6, if you go back, it lists the armor of God. It has five defensive weapons, the shield, the helmet. But it lists two weapons for us that are offensive weapons. And they are this, the word of God and praying in the spirit. These are your two offensive weapons. So you know what I've decided to do in my parenting? I combine the two. 
I pray the word of God over my children. I take scriptures and I pray it out loud. I pray it sometimes. I sneak in and say it over them when they're sleeping. And if they ever wake up, they're like, weird mom. But I don't care because I am willing to do battle for them. I love them. I am willing to fight for them. I will say, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against Betty is going to prosper. It's just not going to do it. Whatever the enemy throws at Betty, forget it. It's not going to win. I say Charlie can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. I say it out loud and I put his name in it. And I say I declare that surely goodness and mercy, it's going to follow Dottie all the days of her life. She will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. She is going to serve God all the days of her life. I speak that over her. I'm using the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit through my prayer to fight for my kids. It's what's in my right hand. You know, when my kids were little, you used to be able to fix everything with a kiss and a hug, and, and mom could fix it all. And as they got older, it got harder and harder to help them with the things they were facing. And I had to learn to turn that helpless feeling into learning how to fight. That helplessness that you feel of, I can't fix it. I can't make it better. I had to learn how to fight, and I had to learn, God, I might not be able to fix this, but I can go to you, the source of the problem, and I know that the enemy is trying everything to derail my kids, so I am going to fight for them, and he is going to be sad the day that he messed with my kids. Scripture tells us we have the power and authority over the plans of the enemy, that we can stop his plans. He might try all he wants, but we have authority to stop. Here's a few verses that I love. Matthew 18, 18 and 19 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. And Deuteronomy 28, 7, I love this one. The Lord will conquer them when they attack you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. I love that. I've prayed that over my kids. Lord, whatever the enemy is coming at them, I pray that you would come in and you would scatter that enemy and they would flee in seven different directions. And Psalm 44, 5 says, through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. Pray for your kids. Use the promises of God as your sword to push back the enemy's plans to derail their lives. I wanted to share one other scripture this morning, and it's really personal, and there's no way I'm not going to cry. <laughs> because in our family, we have had to fight for a lot of things. Um, our sweet, precious daughter, Lucy, went through a season of struggling with panic attacks and depression when she was in high school. And we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to help her. We tried all the different things that you would think of to do. We just dove in there, and yet I couldn't fix it. I couldn't fix it. And there were days that I would drop her off at school, and she would sit in the car trying to get up the, the courage to walk in. And I would watch her walk in, knowing how much effort it took to walk in. And then I would drive around the school just quoting scripture while I knew she was in there. I'm probably on a watch list somewhere <laughs> if you work at Farmington High School. Probably like, I don't know who that lady is, but she's always driving around the school. Oh, because I would just pray, Lord, I pray that today, wherever, wherever her foot goes, that you would put a believing teacher that would encourage her today. Wherever God, bring another student of faith to come alongside of her. 
But one thing I really began to do was this is when I learned to pray the scriptures. And one thing that I have done is when I find a scripture that I feel like the Lord is speaking, I cross out names and I change the pronouns to my kids' names and my friends' names. And some of your names are in here (laughs) in my scriptures. But this is one that I prayed over Lucy. And it's a Psalm 89 that's talking about David. But this is what I have written and I had crossed out. This is what I prayed over her every day out loud. I have found my servant Lucy. I have anointed her with my holy oil. I will steady her with my hand. And with my powerful arm, I will make her strong. Her enemies will not defeat her, nor will the wicked overpower her. I will beat down her adversaries before her, and I will destroy those who hate her. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with her, and by my authority, she will grow in power. And I'm telling you this because I've seen that come to pass in her life. And so it wasn't overnight. It wasn't even over a year. It was over multiple years. But we have seen the faithfulness of God in our family. And I know that many of you have things that you're struggling with with your family or your, your children or your nieces or the, a neighbor or a friend's child. And I just want to encourage you, get in there and fight for them. Sometimes we have to step in when they're not strong enough to fight for themselves. And we pray the word of God. It's what's in our right hand. We hold that sword and we trust the power of God to change things. So today, live rightly. That's what is in your left hand is an offensive, wait, defensive weapon. It's the protection. It's your preventative medicine. Teach your kids about God. Love Jesus with all your heart. Let them see you love him more than anything else. It will always be in their minds if you do that. But let's gear up. Let's fight. Let's fight for our own family. Let's fight for the kids in this church. Let's fight for the kids in our community that don't have anybody praying for them. Not one. What if we decided as a church, that's our, those are our kids. Those are our kids, the ones over at Bachman who are struggling with anxiety. Those kids over at Farmington High School that are in really tough situations. Those, what if that was that we took that on, that they're our kids, and we're going to pray them through. I believe that God, with the power of his word, we can accomplish great things. We have that authority, but we have to use the left hand and the right together. Let's pray. Oh, God, you're so faithful. Lord, I just, Lord, I look back on my life as a mom and auntie and pastor and friend, and I know how how often I don't get it right, but I thank you, Lord, that this is, the family of God is a sacredness, that, Lord, you place us, you place us in communities and in families so that we can have influence. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone within the circle of our influence today, Lord, I pray that we would be shining lights that we would point others to Jesus, that our hearts and the way we love you would be so infectious that those around us will also want to love you. Lord, I pray that we would use our weapons of righteousness 
that we would choose the things that you approve of, the things that you say are good, Lord, in those moments when we're tempted to choose something that you say is not good, that, God, we would remember that there are people watching. And it's not just for us, but it's for them. That when we live right, there is a promise from generation to generation to generation. And I want to be able to pray that over my kids. Lord, I thank you that they are living under the blessing of the faithfulness of their grandparents and their great-grandparents. And Lord, I don't, I want that line to continue. And there are people today that they're just starting, they're the first one, but they are choosing righteousness today. And it will change generations coming behind them. And Lord, we take a second and we fight for our kids. Lord, whatever they are facing, the enemy is coming after them to derail them. But God, we know that we have authority in your name. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you will keep their hearts close to you all the days of their life. Lord, teach us how when we're faced with something that feels very flesh and blood to stop and put on our spiritual eyes and be able to see the truth behind it and be able to pray to the heart of the issue. Lord, to be able to come to you with our prayer and request when we don't know what to do. I thank you, Lord, that you have been faithful to us, and I know you will be faithful to every person here. So, Lord, I pray for specific situations, God, where we need miracles. I pray, Lord God, that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that people would see your hand, that they would not become weary when the battle goes on, but, Lord, they would continue to fight. We thank you for your word and that it applies to every part of our lives. Lord, bless everyone here today, God. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.